It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. Summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen, your emotional sport water bottle, and that steamy beach read. But wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods, goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut. To explore the bounds of your pleasure, new content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash pantsuit. Dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. Two thousand seventeen has been a year. Today we're reflecting on that year in the same way we've gotten through it, with a little help from our friends. This is Sarah from the left and Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsu Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Welcome to the show, everybody. We are so excited. We are going to use the Art of Simple Tish Oxenrider's um, New Year's Eve reflection questions through the lens of politics to look back over 2017 with lots of special guests and thoughts from Friends of the Pod. Um, Before we get started, we just wanted to thank everyone for supporting our show on Patreon. If you're interested in 
becoming a patron of Paint Suit Politics, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Paint Suit Politics. We also wanted to continue to thank you for your support of our new podcast, The Nuanced Life, where we talk about the messiness of life outside politics. So if you're interested in that. Um, you can go subscribe on whatever podcast app you enjoy. And also just keep the ratings and review coming. They are super, super awesome and help people find Pansy Politics and The Nuance Life. We are going to go through all of these questions today. So we'll abandon our usual format of a little bit of news, a main segment, and something outside of politics at the end, because we really love the questions that Tish Oxenreiter has put together to reflect on the year. And there is plenty to reflect on. So the first question that Tish asks is, what was the single best thing that happened this past year? In politics. It's like the fortune cookie game. So we had one of our wonderful Patreon supporters and part of our community on Twitter, Jennifer, send in an answer. And here was her thoughts on the single best thing that happened this year. Hey, Sarah and Beth, it's Jennifer. I am answering the single best political thing I think happened this year. For me, it was when the U.S. federal judge in Hawaii struck down the current president's travel ban. At that point in the year, I was so deeply concerned about the separation of powers and the checks and balances in our system and would they hold and would they do what they were designed to do. And in that moment, I really felt renewed hope that perhaps what we had built as the foundations of our government was going to stand. The next question is, what was the single most challenging thing that happened in politics this year? And that one should be easy. Beth, do you want to go? I think the most challenging thing, I actually found this to be a difficult question to answer because there are lots of contenders. For me, the most challenging thing is this struggle that we're undertaking to share a common truth. It makes it really difficult to consume media responsibly, to engage with friends and family who are looking at other types of media. I just looked at this tweet from a reporter in Canada who talked to a woman who was shocked to hear that people think that the president is dishonest. And he listed her media diet, and you could understand why she's shocked, because Mm. she's really in this very insulated, uh, pro-Trump media environment. And similarly, you know, there are people who exist in such an anti-Trump media environment. We're just, we're coming from different places, and I think that makes moving forward really difficult. I really struggled with sort of the proper response to all the terrible things that the Trump administration has done. Like, I don't really um, have a great strategy yet for the appropriate amount of anxiety, anger, frustration to have at the never-ending list of sort of outrages or screw-ups or um, new oppressive tactic. So I think that's always my struggle is sort of when to pump the brakes and be in my real life and not let it consume me and when to be appropriately outraged. The next question is what was an unexpected joy this past year? And politically, I think that's a tough question to answer. My answer is I think that somehow all of the tumultuousness and turmoil of the past year has caused many of us to search for kind of deeper meaning and greater truth and more virtue and more groundedness. I've said a number of times on the podcast, 
President Trump is going to change you one way or the other. You're going to get better or worse as a result of President Trump. And, and what that means is up to you. And I think that many people are positively changed by their reactions to everything that's occurred and, and including me. And so I, um, I'm grateful for that. I didn't expect it to come that way, but, but I'm grateful for it. I mean, you took a really philosophical approach to that question. I was just going to say Kristen Gillibrand in Virginia, but your answer works good too. <laughs> it's good to have like layers of this conversation. Right. Exactly. What Sarah is your unexpected obstacle this year? Oh, <sighs> Um, I think the obstacle I felt myself bumping up against is like, I, it sort of references the other question is like just trying to put everything on the appropriate sort of spectrum of outrage and like never knowing, is this something that we always write about when the other party's in charge? Is this a, a story that gets trotted out whenever there's a change in control or is this really a frustration and violation of the norm, sort of always just trying to decide where on the spectrum. That's what I felt like I was always bumping up against. I think that I have learned something that I put in the unexpected obstacle bucket. I've been reading as the year comes to a close a whole lot of conservative media celebrating the accomplishments of the first term of, of President Trump. And I've wanted to read those articles because I truly am searching for what it means to be a Republican these days. And I want to understand what they view as so positive. And the theme in these articles, with which I find little to agree, is that, yeah, 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 decorum. But look what Trump got done. I don't understand that. I don't either. And I, here's what I think I've come to. I have always felt that presidents receive both too much credit and too much blame for things that happen because the presidency as a role shouldn't be so influential. And I think truly isn't so influential on the economy and foreign policy in the specific outcomes that are driven by it. I think what really does matter about the presidency is decorum mm -hmm. and tone and the way that office is carried and the way a person represents the United States and, and sets a tone for Congress to work within and for the citizenry to operate within. And so to me, the unexpected obstacle of this year is not only that we have a president who doesn't care about decorum, but that so many other people have said, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Say whatever you want, tweet whatever you want, put your feet up on the desk and order some McDonald's. It's no big deal. And it is a big deal, I think, Unless you're with Barack respect Obama. to that office. Let's not forget. Unless you're a Democrat, then you're not allowed to do any of that. It's just, it's been really sad for me. Yeah. Yeah. So the next question is, pick three words to describe this past year. I think it's been frantic. It's been impossible to keep up with the news. <laughs> so frantic is one. Exhausting is one. And then I do think inspiring because I think wherever you are on the political spectrum and however you've sort of calibrated your response to the craziness of this year, hopefully you are inspired to be more politically engaged, whatever that means for you. So I think survive is my first one because it felt like one year of Donald Trump presidency was going to be the end of the world. 
And it's been and a, a lot of things that it has been the end of a lot of things, but we are still here. So survive. And I hate to keep coming back to this word, but anxiety, it just, it just gives me, he gives me anxiety. That's just really all there is to it. So survive anxiety and then change, because I think what I try to keep in mind is that even if he is the administration is incompetent and doesn't get as much accomplished, there 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 will be lasting impact of the change that's brought about because of this administration. And yeah, I think those are mine. Our listener Jennifer is going to answer the next question for us, which was to pick three words your partner would use to describe your year. Hey ladies, it's Jennifer with question number six. Three words that your partner would describe your stance toward politics in this year. He would absolutely say, I was outraged, angry, and unnuanced. I don't even know if unnuanced is a word, but I was for most of the year. But thanks to you all, I'm finding my nuance again. We are also going to hear from Jennifer about her biggest personal change from January to December of this past year. Hi, y'all. This is Jennifer with question number 10. The biggest personal political change I've experienced this year is I think I have swung increasingly to the left. I know that's not terribly common in this current political climate, but as a lifelong registered independent who prides myself on being independent, someone that's voted for both Republicans and Democrats um, across all levels of and branches of government, I definitely feel as though I have become more socially liberal in my stance, particularly regarding health care, public education, and um, just general programs for health and human services. Another one of our all-star patron producers, George, gave us a little insight into his biggest personal change from January to December. Hi, Beth. Hi, Sarah. And I just want to say thanks uh, for, for having me on the podcast um, and letting me share some of my thoughts. Uh, so I just wanted to reflect on, on what my biggest personal change uh, would be from, from, December of la- from January of last year to December of this year. Um, you know, I think for me, this is going to sound weird at first, but I'd say that I, I, I've learned to, to be satisfied and excited by being tired, uh, which I think, um, you know, a year ago, I'm, I'm probably the baby of this podcast and that I just graduated from college and have entered the real world. So, um, you know, I think I still have got a lot of learn, a lot to learn, but I, I, I think it's, it's exciting to, to know that at the end of the day, you've accomplished something. And, and I think that that, those accomplishments can be very wide ranged, whether that's an email to someone reaching out, starting to build something, starting to fight for something, starting to work on something, and just know that your mind and your body has just been worked the whole day um, in a positive way is is very valuable. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not <laughs> kidding myself and saying that obviously that can that can wear on someone after a long time, but I think that 
it's also just a great feeling to know that you've that you've worked on something and and that you're tired for for a cause that's bigger than yourself. Um, and I know at some at times it can feel as though you know you yourself, your vote, your your cause, your fight doesn't really matter. But I think that if you keep working on it um, and you keep fighting for something, then and, and feeling tired at the end of the day, you're going to wake up the next day one step closer to what you want to accomplish. Um, and I think that's what I've learned to, to do in college. I think I, you know, would wake up, go to class, come back and, and you, you feel as though everything's set around you and, and you're ready. And yes, the, there's the unknown in front of you, but, um, you know, Hey, you did, you did your day's work and then you move on to a certain extent. Um, but I think now I've, I've come to appreciate the value in, in, in being tired. Um, as weird as that may sound, but, um, and I'm excited to keep working and to keep fighting for things and to, to always feel at the end of the day as though I've, 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 put in a good day's work and I, and I'm satisfied with, with what I'm doing and who I'm fighting for and what I'm fighting for. And then eternal friend of the pod and Bogle from what should I read next answered all of Tish's question for us in a, a, a breathless, speedy burst of insight. And so here is Anne's answers to all the questions. Okay, what was the single best thing that happened this past year in politics? In Louisville, in Kentucky, though not where Sarah is, we have this great thing called the Kentucky Author Forum. And in March or April, P.J. O'Rourke came to talk about his book, How the Hell Did This Happen? And he talked about the realities of our two-party system and how to move forward in a way that was not grim or apocalyptic. I mean, it was a little bit, but was practical and hopeful. And it was really excellent timing. The single most challenging thing that happened this year in politics, painful conversations prompted by or about politics. One in particular, details redacted. An unexpected joy in politics has been my freshman in high school taking civics, taking American civics and learning how this system works. Uh, seeing how government works in America through his eyes has been it's been great. An unexpected obstacle in politics? Talking to people. Three words to describe this year in politics? Oh, is it over? Three words your partner would use to describe my year? Overwhelmed, frustrated, sad. Three words your partner would use to describe his year? Again, without asking. Tense, concerned, inquisitive. Best books I read in politics? Everybody Lies. It gives insight into what people really believe and why they don't want to own up to it, and especially how we can change minds um, and have political conversations without losing our collective minds. Most valuable relationship in politics, um, my my friend who's become a social activist. I've learned so much uh, through and because of her. Biggest personal change from January to December in politics, my voter registration. In what ways did you grow emotionally in politics? I might have devolved. Uh, spiritually in politics, I've become more humble. Uh, physically in politics, I, I've really come to appreciate the value of real action, like real, practical, tangible, let's go do something action. Uh, in what ways did I grow in my relationship with others in politics? I've become, I mean, I've always thought I've been open to new ideas and solutions, but um, even more so, I've been become more willing to um, hear new ideas from disparate sources and try things. The most enjoyable part of my work in politics, talking to people. 
the most challenging part of my work, talking to people. Single biggest time waster in your life this past year in politics, Twitter where I have also found and read some fantastic long form pieces, but um, yeah, I've also spent some time getting really, really depressed in a not helpful way at my computer. The best way I used my time in politics this past year is showing up in my actual community. Biggest thing I've learned, um, again, I mean, learning again and again, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men should do nothing and a phrase or statement that describes this past year for you. Okay. So I don't usually get all spiritual on my anything online, but we had a, uh, today prayer service at my Episcopal church. And we read this Madeline Lingle poem, um, right before Christmas. And I loved it. And it was so perfect, even though it was so old and it made me feel like there was nothing new under the sun and we just might make it through. So she said, it was time like this, a few and lust for power, license and greed and blight, and yet the Prince of Bliss came into the darkest hour in quiet and silent light. It's called Into the Darkest Hour, and that's just an excerpt, but um, that makes me feel like we can make it through, and I appreciate that. Happy New Year. fun part of the new year every year, I think, is asking personally, how did you grow? And so Tish asks how you grew emotionally, spiritually, in your relationships with others. What are you thinking about, Sarah, as the year comes to a close? I think that I got comfortable with both my skills and being comfortable saying what I do well saying what I don't do well, and also getting really comfortable with that sensation of sort of bumping up against the edge of my skills, which I really enjoy, but did not for a lot of my life. So, you know, I think 2017 was a huge year of growth for me and um, big changes in my life, moving into the new house, being a commissioner, this podcast just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so being able to sort of fully inhabit that in a way I hadn't before. required a lot of self-reflection and just self-awareness of things that I that are challenging for me. And so I think I spent a lot of time on on those subjects in 2017. Can you say more about that? Because I think that there are so many people considering running for office or otherwise being in politics who haven't done that before, who are probably having some self-doubt about their skills. And I think it might be helpful to them if you Don't mind to talk a little bit more about that. I mean, I think when I ran for office, I had to get very comfortable sort of saying what I could offer. Now, so much of what I felt like I offered as a Paducah City Commissioner was a perspective. Um, You know, I think I had a set of skills, obviously. You know, I went to law school. I'd worked in politics, and those were important to me. But, you know, I had to be able to advocate for myself and say, this is the perspective I bring. This is what I offer. I think this would be valuable to the city. So I had to get comfortable on one hand saying, this is what I'm good at. But at the same time, um, I've not done this before. So 
it was really, I mean, it's been a really big year of growth and figuring out how to work with the, the rest of the commission, how to work with city staff, how to talk to citizens, learning so, so much that I had no experience with before from like E911 to stormwater to sewer to all these different areas. And so I also had to get comfortable like being in a room and being like, I don't know what that means. You're going to have to tell me. I don't know. Um how that's going to work. I don't know the answer to that question. So it was just this weird two sides of the coin of being able to advocate for why I was the right person to be in the room, but also to be in the room and be like, I don't know. And I think that, you know, there's power in both of those. And I personally felt empowered by both experiences. Um, I feel like I'm, you know, at the most sort of I mean, I almost want to use it adventurous. I just like that sensation. I just feel like I, I like when I feel like now sometimes it's frustrating and stressful and hard, but I do like feeling like sort of bumping up against the edges of what I can do or what I know or uh, my own sort of personal experience. So there's a lot of that. And when you run for office and when you're a politician, at least in my first year, there was. I think that for me, this year has been a lot about not to get too philosophical again, but just like, what do I want my life to be about? I tried to do a lot of things at one time. I did do a lot of things at one time this year. And when I am really honest with myself, I probably could keep all those balls in the air for another year. I probably could keep going kind of at the pace I was going and trying to spread myself as thin as I was. But I really I think don't. December was telling you differently, Beth. Well, I know. And December has told me that I am like sick as a dog. But I I really think that's only because I've acknowledged that it was hard. <laughs> kind of the way that you you always get sick after final yeah, exams. Yeah, that's exactly. Or like when you go to vacation. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Totally. Summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen, your emotional support water bottle, and that steamy bee treat. But wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods, goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut. To explore the bounds of your pleasure, new content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high-quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year is going by so quickly, and I had a little bit of a moment of panic about it this week. I thought to myself, I'm losing track of time. It's going so fast. It's going to be December before I know it. My kids are growing up, and I just kind of was spinning out. And I stopped, and I closed my eyes, and I pictured my last therapist, who I haven't seen since the end of 2020. But I remember the way he talked me through these issues, and I sort of channeled his energy I put my feet on the ground and thought, this is just how time feels now. And there's nothing wrong with that or right about it. It just is. But those skills that I learned in therapy are so important to helping me take a second to celebrate what's going right and decide what I want to adjust for the rest of the year. 
If you're thinking of starting therapy, which I cannot recommend enough, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Pantsuit. The second most stressful thing after planning a trip is packing for it. This is true. This is a true story. I have just told you the clothes I have don't fit. They don't go together the way I want them to or I'm missing some essential piece. And then I discovered Quince. It's my go-to for high-quality vacation essentials. Like this premium European linen dress that's going to get us all through the heat wherever we're traveling. Blouses and shorts from $30. Washable silk tops, premium luggage options, and so much more. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than their similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to all of us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I got big plans for my Quince chiffon pleated skirt. In Japan, they like a loose, flowy look over there to battle the heat. I will be adopting that strategy with that skirt. Pack your bags with high quality essentials from Quince. Go to quince.com slash pantsuit for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash pantsuit to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash pantsuit. You like, like slow down enough to look around you. Your body's like, sweet. And if I had not done that, I think I would have been able to sustain it. But I really started asking myself this year, what do I want to be in the world? And what kind of person do I want to be? And I have to start aligning more of my time with my answer to that. And so I think I have grown in kind of the same way you have, Sarah, in terms of saying, here's what my skills are. And I'm going to bet on my skills. I'm going to take a risk on what I think I do well and see how it turns out and be willing to fail at that if I do. Um, and just making sure that I'm really kind of going for it with my life. And I think that has been a spiritual path as well as an emotional one. And it has been a trial of some of my relationships, many of them, and um, a strengthener of many of my relationships too. So it's been a big year for me personally in a different way than you, but I think that there are some similarities in how we're both growing. And hopefully that's something that our listeners can relate to as well. I want to say not our relationship. Our relationship's awesome. Everybody. We are good business partners. And we really are. That's a hard thing to be. It, I mean, I kind of feel like I used to think like, I can't believe like Paul and John and the Beatles, they just sort of like grew up in the room, safe space and sort of looked into each other. Same thing with like Amy and Emily of the Nico girls. They just like found each other. But now that's how I feel about you, Beth. I love it when you make those comparisons. <laughs> <laughs> I love your optimism in those comparisons. No, well, I do. I, I mean, I listen, if you had asked me in college who I thought I would most be most likely to start a business <laughs> with, <laughs> you know, <laughs> probably wouldn't have been Sarah. And that I don't mean that in any offense at all, but we are so different that you would different. think that we could really clash um, in a lot of ways. But I think when it comes to making decisions about what's important to us, With respect to the show, we have different work styles, but we are very aligned on values and direction and strategic vision. Um, Here's the other thing. My husband is obsessed with that documentary on Netflix with Jim Carrey. It's like Jim and Andy. It's about when he played Andy Kaufman. 
I'm watching it. I should. He's so obsessed with it to be a good spouse. But anyway, he keeps talking about this part in the movie where Jim Carrey's father, like, I think he, like, was an accountant or worked at a factory or whatever, like, worked his whole life. And they, like, fired him right before he was supposed to, like, get the big bonus in retirement or something along those lines. And Jim Carrey, that's this was, like, the, like, I think, like, the moment Jim Carrey decided to go, you know, try it at comedy or whatever. And he said, I just realized that you can fail at something you hate. And when you were talking about, I'm going to bet on my skills and fail and like, yeah, failing suck, but wouldn't it be worse to fail at something you hate? And he just, my husband's talked about that moment. I keep thinking about it. So true. Like you can, you can put all your chips on something you don't like and fail too. It's not like that's a guarantee. So you might as well put it on something that's really important to you. Well, especially in this world in which I work 40 years for the same company and they give me a big pension and I go sit on the beach. Like that's just not a reality anymore. Everything is a gamble. And so thinking about job security, I think is a brand new exercise here in 2017. And it makes it both easier and harder in some ways to take leaps of faith. But I'm, I'm glad to be doing that. And I'm glad to be doing it with someone who is a good partner to me. The next question is, what was the most enjoyable part of your work? And just to keep this love fest going, I just really realized recently when people ask us all the time, how do you read the news all the time? Because I know that that was the most challenging part of so many people's 2017 is just existing in this world where things feel threatened, things feel like they're being torn apart, and all these things that we depend on were being challenged. People ask us, like, how do you do it? And I think it just, I had like a total realization a few weeks ago that I do it. The reason I do it is because I don't avoid it. It's because I do read it and then I get to sit and talk about it with Beth for like two hours and process it and think about what it means. And is this really important? And should we not freak out about this? Or should we freak out about this? And if we are freaking about this, what should we do? And what does it mean? Like, you would think that that would make you more anxious, but it really doesn't. It just makes everything easier to handle. So that was definitely the most enjoyable part. I second that. And I will add, I just love that I feel like I learn something almost minute by minute when I'm focused on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I've joked before that when Sarah asked me if I wanted to do this show with her, I was like, what's a podcast? Mm-hmm. That is not far from literal truth. <laughs> um, and so there's been a lot to learn just about how to do something like this. There's been a lot to learn from our listeners who we hear from. We have such a diverse group of listeners that email us Mm -hmm. and we get these incredibly intense, um, just what people are willing to share with us is such a gift. And I learned Mm -hmm. something from all of that, not just what they say, but the way they say it. And I learned something following the news and trying to follow it in enough, in enough depth to talk about it. As the podcast has grown, I feel like the level of responsibility that we have to have a really informed and intelligent discussion about things has grown with it. So it just challenges me a lot. And I love that. Well, we're kind of overlapping into the next question, which is what is the most challenging part of your work? That is very easy for me. I continue to struggle with being Beth from the right because Mm. I don't know what from the right means anymore. And I think that pretending that I can make it mean what I wish it meant is getting harder all the time. I worry that we are promising something that we don't deliver when people read, you know, one conservative and one liberal and come expecting the 2017 definition of conservative instead Mm. of where we started. And so I don't know what to do about that because I do think that my views are right of center But I don't know anymore. 
And, and that is, that, that's hard for me to say every week. It's hard for me to think about. It's hard for me every time we hear from someone who's like, you're not a real conservative. And, um, it's, that's, that's been tough. I think what's challenging for me is always sort of deciding what is enough. And, you know, our listeners have been such a gift because I always feel like, well, I'm just coming on this podcast and blabbing. What am I actually doing to like, you know, be a part of the resistance or however you want to describe it. And so just realizing that what we do on the show really is helpful to people and really is important. And, you know, I serve on the city commission and just making, not being constantly feeling like feeling guilty, the lot, what I'm now going to coin the Lottie Moon syndrome um, has really been hard, but like the show, it's definitely helped with that. That's for dang sure. So the next one is, what was your single biggest time wasting, wa- waster in your life this past year? And we have Tish, the, the, the Tish Auction Writer, the amazing, amazing writer and podcaster that we got these questions from, and she shared her biggest time waster with us. Hey, ladies, you are joining me on my late morning work walk where I do a lot of my work brainstorming in between projects. And I wanted to answer your question about political time wasters. I love that you're doing this. I love that you're taking my list of New Year's Eve reflection questions and applying it to the topics that you you guys cover so well. And I am happy to be part of this. So um, my, my political time waster this year, it came to me right away. And it's Facebook. It's not specifically, it's not even generally social media. It's specifically Facebook. It was about June or July when I really stopped being on there. And my entire life changed for the better. Um, specific to to this conversation about politics, my head became so much clearer. I felt more objective in my reading. I... Um, read more of um, several different sides of things beforehand before I when I was on Facebook more and um, in general I felt like I got my news from more trusted sources you know going to the original subscribing to the New York Times and Washington Post and listening more to NPR and all that good stuff Um, I wasn't a huge Facebook user beforehand, but I did check it several times a day. And I don't know if you guys remember in 2016 when Wall Street Journal uh, came out with that really fantastic page where you can see, based on different topics, what a more liberal-leaning Facebook feed looks like compared to a more conservative-leaning Facebook feed side-by-side on the same topics in real time, like stuff that was published that day. And it is astounding. And I remember first seeing that and it really rocking my world and just blowing my mind when it comes to what Facebook actually does um, to feed people who are already leaning a particular way um, when it comes to confirmation bias. (laughs) Sorry, there's a vicious little tiny corgi trying to bite my heels off. It's funny. just when it comes to confirmation bias. And, um, you know, I just think my life is so much better not wasting my time on Facebook. So whenever I just stopped using Facebook, I I am barely on there. I maybe check it five minutes at a time, twice a week. That's about all I do. And it's for work reasons. I don't check my feed at all anymore. 
my life is so much better. Uh, Twitter doesn't bother me. I feel like I have more engaged conversations on Twitter. I mean, there's still the crazies there, but not like on Facebook where people just seem to be so hmm, dogmatic about their bias and so <laughs> emotional. And I, I don't know if it's also because it's people I know in real life that it just feels so much more <laughs> personal to have arguments. But yeah, to me, biggest time waster political of this year was Facebook first half of the year, second half of the year, I wasn't on it anymore. And I have never looked back and I don't think I'm going to go back to using Facebook much anymore. I cannot second Tish's answer enough. I deleted not, it from my phone. I'm for, I'm for real though. I'm not putting it back on there in 2018. And look, we're not going to limit our criticism to one specific social media giant <laughs> because Jennifer is going to chime in on her biggest time waster too. All right, y'all question 17. My personal political time waster this year, and also my personal political university and racial consciousness raising tool has been Twitter. I am loving Twitter. I definitely spend way too much time on Twitter. I have been unapologetic about it for most of the year, and as the year draws to a close, I'm learning that I am a much more balanced person, both because of it and because I am learning to step away from it as well, to think about things first before I react and to try to process and digest rather than just shove the news down like I'm in a hot dog eating contest. But Twitter is just the most beautiful, fabulous, delightful time waster that there ever has been. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets look just like a dryer sheet, but it's ultra concentrated, liquidless laundry detergent. It's the best of all worlds. Earth Breeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and your skin. So it's good for sensitive skin. It reduces plastic waste. All of these things are true and amazing, but let's get to the heart of it. Y'all know I have a laundry system. You know it revolves around training children as young as possible to do their own laundry. Earthbreeze sheets feels like they were invented for this because littles maybe sometimes struggle with those big, heavy jugs, or maybe you worry about the pods, but here we go. Here we go, y'all. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets. It's like the perfect solution. A child as young as two can handle these sheets. And even with toddlers, like you can get them involved. And this is a way to get them helping with laundry even before they could do it themselves. Ugh, God, I love it so much. Right now, our listeners can receive 40% off Earth Breeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit. That's earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. 
Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. We do quite a bit of hosting here at the Silvers household, and I think there is nothing that completes a table for dinner. Like a beautiful loaf of bread and wild grain has made that so simple because they send gorgeous loaves of sourdough bread. Lots of spins on the ingredients, but always just this fantastic, high quality, easy to bake in 25 minutes or less from frozen bread that turns out perfectly every single time. I also have to tell you about the free croissants for life that come with your wild grain orders. And those croissants make the morning, your brunch, maybe your late night snack, flaky and like you're sitting in a French cafe and they're just perfect every single time. That's what I love about Wild Grain. It's easy, it's consistent, it's fully customizable. It is the first ever Bake From Frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. For a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. You heard me, free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit, or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. I deleted Twitter, too. They're both deleted. You deleted Twitter? Yep. yep. Okay. Neither, neither of we, them are on my phone. Let's talk about this. How are we going to do this show? <laughs> <laughs> I check it on my computer. I just don't have it on my phone. Okay. Okay. Because the listener engagement, I mean, it's it really it's the is same, awesome. Because if you go a few hours, that's the problem. You go for a few hours on Twitter and you get on, you're like, I don't know what's, I wish Twitter had a better way to read it because then you're like, oh God, I have to go all the way back. What's happening? I don't know what's happening. It's tough. And the engagement with our communities on both, both Facebook and Twitter is really positive. Like social yeah, media is. is not just a force for evil. Like there's a lot of good that happens there too. So it's very tricky. Well, well what I tried to do too is a little tip for anybody else who feels like they need to do it for like a business. I kept Facebook pages so I can look on Pantsy Politics but not fall down the black hole that is the feed. I have less interest in the feed all the time. I agree yeah. with that. Okay. The best way that you used your time this year. I feel like I'm using this a lot, but I mean, talking to you, I feel like what a better use of my time because it was like not only awesome professionally, but made me feel better like emotionally as well. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, you know what? The best way I've used my time this year has been the moments that I've committed to being quiet. Mm. I have taken long showers. I have done some meditation. I have stayed in my car for like 10 minutes before I walked into work. Sometimes I've just needed more quiet this year than I ever have in my life. And I feel like I'm so much clearer and sharper and better at what I do when I take that time. So that's been a big learning for me, but a little time here and there. And my second thing, this is a very small thing, but I read this book about the power of ritual in your life. And I went to London with my husband um, to celebrate our anniversary. And we both really developed this love of afternoon tea. Mm. So now we have an afternoon tea ritual when we're both here at home at about three o'clock, we make tea, we make it the same way. We order like this rough cut sugar cube 
um, package so that we can have it the way we had it in London. We put milk in it and the whole nine yards. And that little ritual is like this mental reset for me. There's something so lovely about that and about sharing that with him. And so that has been a really great way to use my time this past year. Just this tiny thing that makes a big difference in how I feel mentally in the middle of a day. So two things. One, I told you that I started riding in my car with no noise. And that was like hugely impactful. When I was just way overwhelmed, I just turned it off. I really like my quiet driving time. Also, I also do um, a ritual at 3, 3.30. Usually it is a cup of tea. I also feel like my ancestry is basically just British Isles, Scottish, Irish, English. That's all it is. I feel like I have like a genetic drive for afternoon tea. Like I think there's like just there's a part of me that's like you people are doing this for thousands of years. You need to keep doing it. This is a thing for you. It should so be really, a thing for everybody. It's I just really a like good it too. idea. And also I know a little caffeine. Never heard anybody at 3.30. I know it's a little Pavlovian, but I think it's Pavlovian in such a healthy way to just mm-hmm. be like I'm teaching my brain that we're going to stop, we're going to relax a little bit, we're going to have a little bit of pleasure, and then get back to it. Yep. Agreed. So two of our very good friends of the pod are going to answer, I think, a really complex question. The biggest thing you learned this past year. So first up is eternal and forever friend of the pod, Emily Ellsworth. Hello, Pantsuit Politics listeners. This is Emily Ellsworth, author of Call the Halls, Contacting Your Representatives the Smart Way. One of the major lessons I learned about our country in 2017 is that, as a whole, we want simple solutions to complex problems. We want a single phone call or email to get the results we want immediately. I believe there's still a great resistance to having our beliefs and ideas questioned because the world feels so unstable and we want something solid to cling to. But the hundreds of women, people of color, people with disabilities, immigrants, and many other underrepresented groups that have taken an active role in communicating with their government and running for elected office on all levels tells me that we're just getting started. My hope is that in 2018, we'll focus more on tackling our own biases and be ready and willing to admit when we're wrong. I have to tell you a little bit about the next person we're going to hear from. When we first started Pantsy Politics, I spent a lot of time on Twitter, and I started following a hero of mine, a political hero of mine, Mark McKinnon. I loved Mark McKinnon from the days that he worked for John McCain. I loved him on all the Sunday shows. I just loved him with John Huntsman starting No Labels. He was like my hero. And so one night I sent him a direct message and told him so. I wrote the most fangirly thing I've ever written in my life, just like, I think you're amazing. I think you embody so much of what we want to do with this podcast. I would love to talk with you sometime. And I think it was less than an hour before he responded. We had, I don't know, maybe a hundred followers at this point. I think our friends and family might've been listening to the podcast, but we were tiny when I reached out to Mark and he said, yes, he didn't hesitate. He got on the phone with us and treated us like we were professionals. He, he just could not have been more gracious to us and has been ever since he took time to meet us in person at Mm -hmm. one of the conventions this year. And I cannot say enough good things about how Mark McKinnon has given us a shot. And I think has lived up to what he was in my mind. And so I'm super excited to share this message from him. 
Hey there, happy holidays, Pantsuit Politics. What a year. I'll tell you what I learned in 2017, that the circus didn't stop with the election. The ringmaster president, Donald Trump, has created a spectacle in the Oval Office, the likes of which we have never seen. And whether you are for him or against him or somewhere in between, we are all transfixed and fascinated as we watch President Trump bend and change the rules of the game of the executive office. A primary element of compelling drama is that it surprises us. And in the last year, barely a day has gone by that we weren't surprised by something in the news. We are indeed living in interesting times. So 2017 tested the guardrails of democracy. It felt a bit like watching your kid walk out unattended into traffic on a highway. And yet here we are, one year later, into the Trump presidency, and we're at relative peace, and the economy is booming. So let's all count our blessings and hope the guardrails of democracy hold up for another three years. I know pantsuit politics will be out there breaking it all down for us. And nothing official yet, but a good chance the circus will be back covering the circus in 2018. So until then, kick it hard, carry on regardless, and happy holidays. Okay, Sarah, we have reached the final reflection question. Do you have a phrase or statement that describes this past year for you? I want to say this both to the question and to 2017, and I think it might be, is that a phrase or a statement or is that just a sound? I mean... It's your show. You can make it whatever you want. I mean, I just kind of feel like that is my, like my, uh, and also I have a, I do have a sense. And I think this is largely because of me too, that, that something is shifting. Maybe that's my phrase. Something is shifting. I can't exactly tell if it's positive or negative yet. (laughs) I'm hopeful that it's positive. But I do feel the ground shifting after 2017, and I'm hopeful. I like that. And the nerd in me that comes out fairly often loves the image of, like, tectonic plates. Yes, that's Like, grinding against each other. I think that's really great. Yeah, that's how I feel about 2017. At the end of 2017, that's definitely how I feel. Well, keeping with my, like, hopeful, let's get inspired by the crap theme. (laughs) My phrase or statement this year is we can do better. Mm. We can do better than we have done in 2017, all of us at every level. And I am confident that we will. It might take a while and you might have to really want to see it, but we can do better. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed this reflection on 2017. We will be back on Friday with our word for the show for 2018. So get excited about that. And we hope that whatever you're celebrating, you are enjoying this season with friends and family. Until we talk with you again, keep it nuanced, y'all. Thank you so much to our executive producers, Nicholas, Chad, Tracy, Leslie, Sabrina, and George. You can join us on social media, Instagram and Facebook at Pantsuit Politics and on Twitter at Pantsuit Politic, no S. And if you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com or reviews are always helpful and you can leave one through the Apple podcast app. Thank you to Dante Lima, the composer of our Pantsuit Politics theme music. 